0: Let's welcome to the show now State Senator Andy Menard joining us for our monthly check-in. Senator, good afternoon. Thanks for the time. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. Well, obviously, I know you've been watching as we all have what's been happening on the streets of cities all around the country. We've been fortunate here in Springfield. The demonstrations have been peaceful. That hasn't necessarily been the case in places like Decatur, Champaign, uh, other communities. Uh, I wanted to ask you about it from from the legislative standpoint. You know, this is stemming from this uh, continuing sense that some people simply do not get equal treatment, equal justice uh, at the hands of law enforcement in our justice system. Is there a legislative role to address this? What what things are you thinking about and your colleagues are thinking about in response to all this?
1: Uh, well, I think I want to answer your question, Jim. But first, I just want to say this real quick um, to the individuals in Springfield that organized uh, both um, the car, you know, the car protest line on Saturday, uh, which was a Black Lives Matter organization, and then the protest uh, which was uh, yesterday at the Capitol, you, you said the word peaceful, um, and I think that has to be noted again by me. Um, I want to thank those individuals that organized both of those events um, for doing good work and to, to, to raise the issue in a peaceful way and a meaningful way. Um, so I wanted to start off our conversation today, Jim, by saying that. So let me answer your question now. The answer is absolutely. There has to be a legislative role, uh, because things don't change unless we change public policy, and that requires a constant and an ongoing effort, um, and it it calls upon us, people like myself, as as one legislator out of fifty nine in the state senate, uh, to stand up and tackle tough issues that might make people feel uncomfortable. Um, that's what we have to do, and what's happening in this country right now um, is another call. It's another cry for making that happen at every level of our government. So certainly there is a legislative role to play.
0: You can change public policy, but you can't legislate mindsets. And and you have to wonder if that's really at least some of the issue here is just the, the attitudes that some members of some police departments carry on to the job every day. Uh, so how do you address that? And, and what other strategies can you deploy? Is this a question of the type of training that they're, they're getting? Uh, what, what else can you look at?
1: Well, you're right. You can't legislate um, attitudes, whether that be um, the attitude or uh, the outlook of, a, of an individual who's serving as a police officer or if it's the attitude um, or beliefs of individuals who, um, who might feel the same way about a particular race or a particular gender or uh, believe that, you know, government should operate differently than people like I believe. I mean, you can't legislate uh, thoughts and feelings and attitudes. Um, but what we certainly can do, and I think this is warranted, and I've thought this for, for a long time, is uh, to understand and to put into motion uh, things that recognize that community policing is, is not anything remotely related uh, to uh, the military or militaristic styles or tactical types of things. And I think there is a, a big disconnect there, and, and I get that from uh, constituents that I represent, um, and certainly on the east side of Springfield and in Decatur, that, that's an ongoing conversation that I've been hearing for years. So, you know, the uh, Vice President Biden mentioned that today in his speech. Um, I thought that was a, a good focal point of his speech that he gave today. And I think that's, a, that's an immediate place where we can start a conversation that could lead to public policy change. That's not going to change everything, of course, but I think that's a place where we can start a public conversation.
0: There's been a lot of discussion, too, about the, the role of government in responding to protests, particularly when demonstrations turn violent, get out of hand. Uh, maybe people are, are exploiting these very real issues for their own opportunistic ends. But yesterday, the president of the United States said the governors who don't crack down on this aggressively are weak. Uh, And Governor J.B. Pritzker uh, responded that he's not allowing the president to send the U.S. military here to Illinois. And so there's a lot of, uh, you know, analysis back and forth of who's on the right-hand side of this. How would you assess how Governor Pritzker has been handling this? And given the damage that we've seen in Chicago, and the suburbs, in Peoria, Decatur, Champaign, uh, are we in fact doing enough to restore order in the, the cities of Illinois?
1: So after that exchange uh, between the president and the governor, I read the transcript uh, that I believe the Washington Post uh, was the source where I read it from, had posted it online. And I picked up the phone and I called Governor Pritzker and I thanked him uh, for uh, calling out the president for what I, too, believe is inflammatory rhetoric that doesn't serve the purpose of bringing calm to a nation that is hurting deeply right now for obvious reasons. So I appreciate the fact that Governor Pritzker uh, did what he did on that phone call with governors um, across the country and with the president of the United States. And I got to say, Jim, this this incident yesterday that happened um, in Washington, D.C., in our nation's capital, which, of course, is federal, uh, you know, federally governed, not governed by a state government or a state legislature, Um, To me is unconscionable what happened yesterday and the fact that the president of the United States, and now we're learning it was the attorney general, the chief law enforcement officer of the United States of America, gave an order to clear out a park of peaceful protesters so that the president of the United States could stand in front of a church and wave a Bible for a photo op. That is unconscionable to me. As an individual, as an American, as a Christian, it's unconscionable. Um, so more of that is not going to help the situation that we face today in the country. So I think we have to, of course, um, address looting. We have to address property damage, but we can't do what the president did yesterday, which was send in um, some type of federal authority. I don't even think we know what it was, Jim. A federal authority to to clear out a park of peaceful protesters who were protesting um, something that, that needs to be discussed in this country so that he could have a photo op in front of a historic church. I can't think of anything lower than that that I've seen thus far.
0: State Senator Andy Menard is with us here. And Senator, while we're dealing with this national crisis, we're not done with the last national crisis, which is COVID-19. And we've seen these uh, huge throngs of demonstrators coming out, gathering together, at least in this case, a lot of the, at least the demonstrations I've seen locally, a lot of people wearing masks, not everybody. But there are concerns that we could see renewed outbreaks Uh, Because of people in close proximity here, even as we're starting to gradually reopen the state for bars and restaurants, et cetera. How concerned are you uh, that that could happen? And if it does happen, uh, what's going to be the answer to it? Because it doesn't seem like people are going to be willing to go backwards in terms of restrictions and things if we start to see a substantial uptick in cases.
1: Yeah, That's a whole lot to tackle. Isn't it that is that is a whole lot to tackle? There's no doubt about it. Um, all the more reason why uh, we need leadership at the top um, that uh, can take steps and diffuse a situation uh, that isn't just um, happening in one state or in one city or in one part of the country, but across the country. We haven't seen that from the president. We haven't seen him um, give a calming speech to the nation about wrongs that have been committed uh, by by police officers, in this case in Minnesota, and using his words and his ability to speak to the nation and the world collectively um, in order to calm racial tensions in this country. He's doing the opposite of that, Jim, the opposite of that. That doesn't make our country a better place for anyone. So, We need that type of leadership so that we can not face what I think are potential hurdles that you just outlined uh, with the the crisis, which was the global pandemic that that was on all of our minds uh, just uh, a little bit over a week ago until uh, the incident that that we all saw take place. So we have to be able to take those steps. And I am concerned. I'm concerned about uh, the public health aspect of Uh, large groups of people who are protesting peacefully in close proximity with each other. And don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying they shouldn't do it, um, but I'm concerned about the health impact of that down the road.
0: Uh, You know, you're not saying they shouldn't do it, but the state officially has said that people shouldn't be going into bars and restaurants. We shouldn't be having large gatherings. Uh, Maybe places shouldn't have Fourth of July celebrations and things. So, uh, you know, a lot of people get really upset when you say, "Okay, you can't do these things that you want to do, but we have no problem with the protesters going out and doing what they want to do. How do you reconcile that?
1: You know, that's a tough one. And I I recognize that up front. Uh, But I also know that um, what we are seeing across the country um, that has been sparked by a series of uh, of deaths of African-Americans at the hands of police officers, uh, most, most recently with George Floyd, has been, has been brewing for a very long time. Um, this has been going on for years and years and years, and to say that the individual's um, that, for example, uh, came out over the weekend um, and, and from all accounts did uh, when they could practice social distancing or came out um, in front of the Capitol, um, uh, in front of our state Capitol to protest what's going on, shouldn't be doing that. Um, that's a really tough call because what's happening in the country is a response, is a response to what people have seen with their own eyes, what they're feeling with their hearts. And they're saying they're tired of it. And um, to reconcile those two things, I think, is an impossible task.
0: Senator, we're tied on time. Before I let you go, I want to ask you about the uh, legislative session just uh, concluded. Uh, You were very adamant in the days after that about uh, the word that was spreading around and being spread even by some Republican lawmakers that lawmakers were going to give themselves a pay raise in the in the budget that was approved uh, because they didn't take the affirmative step to reject those raises. But the budget does not have money appropriated for those raises. So you and Comptroller Susana Mendoza and others have said. There will be no raises because you can't have it without the appropriation. There is no a pending lawsuit uh, that could conceivably result in lawmakers getting these cost of living increases. A couple of former lawmakers have sued saying that they were unfairly denied those pay raises in the past. Given the fact that that lawsuit is out there and could ultimately lead to this, why didn't the legislature just take the affirmative step of rejecting pay increases this year? Wouldn't that have resolved we did. the question? Well, you, we did, Jim. You, you, you didn't put money in the budget, but that's not the same as, as the affirmative vote that says we, we don't want the cost of living increase. Increase.
1: yeah jim if we had done that we would have uh, we would have walked right into the trap of the lawsuit that you just mentioned so we chose to to do it a different way um, that it would be a different question in front of a judge so if the Republicans were in charge they would say let's just feed our authority to determine whether or not we get pay raises and leave it up to an unnamed judge in a court case that hasn't even been filed yet that's what the Republicans were essentially saying but let's back the train up. That's not exactly what they were saying. First, they were dangling a shiny object out in front of voters because um, this one is ripe for mischief, as we all have found out. Um, But that shiny object wasn't even real. So, Jim, we did do exactly what you said. We just didn't do it the way that we have done it in the past, because had we had taken the same old step that we did before, uh, we would be subject clearly to the outcome of that pending suit. Now, we still may be, But this would be a different question in front of a court, potentially. That's why we chose to make the appropriation zero. The budget isn't silent. It's not absent. The the, the budget actually has a zero next to it. It's, It's a little nuanced, but we think that's a different question that would be in front of a judge, potentially. And it's us affirmatively saying that there will be no pay increases.
0: And so, um, as you said, there there will be or most likely will be some sort of court fight on this. But for right now, you can say definitively to the people of Illinois, lawmakers are not getting a pay raise as a result of this budget.
1: Correct. And um, by the way, the only people confused about this are the Republicans that chose to tweet it out at about 1 a.m. on Sunday morning after about 15 straight hours of session. There was no confusion about this on the Senate floor. When I presented the budget bill, I was crystal clear about what this meant and what the intention was and why we did it the way we did it. The only people confused, the only people confused, are the people that are playing politics with an issue that is very easy to play politics with.
0: State Senator Andy Minar, we appreciate your time. We'll talk soon. You bet. Thanks, Jim.